You say you've heard every sound there is, and your bird can swing, but you can't hear the I'm in love with that song podcast? Well, look in my direction. I'll be round with a new episode where we take a deep dive into one of my favorite songs and try to get a deeper understanding of what makes it such a great song. My name is Brad Page, and I've done about 40 episodes of this podcast so far, so I guess it's time we get to The Beatles. This show, we're listening to one of my all-time favorite Beatles tunes, Rain. realize this makes me sound pretty boring, but the Beatles are my number one favorite band. I suppose I could have picked something more esoteric or obscure, but the truth is the Beatles are the band that I love the most. I've been avoiding doing an episode on them because really, there's not much I can add that hasn't already been covered in detail many times in many other places. But this is a show about great songs, and no one has as many great songs as the Beatles, so why not? The song Rain was released as the B-side of Paperback Writer in May of 1966. Rain was one of the Beatles' first psychedelic tracks. Though other songs like And Your Bird Can Sing and I'm Only Sleeping were recorded around the same time, and, in fact, Tomorrow Never Knows, probably the most psychedelic track the Beatles ever recorded, was actually recorded before Rain. But Rain was released to the public before any of those other songs. Credited to Lennon and McCartney, Rain was primarily a John Lennon track with contributions from Paul. The lyrics reflect the idea that the material world is just a state of mind. The song uses rain as a metaphor for the idea that the external forces that affect your moods and attitudes don't matter. What's important is what's within you. It's a song that challenges you to look inside yourself and re-examine your perceptions. Like many Lennon songs around this time, it's an inward-looking song. As Robert Rodriguez put it in his book Revolver, How the Beatles Reimagined Rock and Roll, what John Lennon learned from his experiments with LSD was that the way to escape the weight of materialistic thinking was to recognize it as the illusion that it is. Musically, one of the notable elements of the song is the influence of Indian music. Though there are no sitars or tablas on the track, there is a droning aspect of the song that is subtly evocative of Eastern music. But probably the most significant aspect of the song is that it was recorded at a faster tempo than the tape was slowed down to reach the intended tempo. This means that the Beatles had to not only play the song faster, they had to play it in a different, higher key so that when the tape was slowed down, the song would be in the correct key. So here's a clip of how the song was originally recorded at the faster speed and higher pitch.
And here's the final version after the tape was slowed down. One more thing to note before we get into the song. We'll be listening to the original mono version as it was released in 1966. The song wasn't released in a stereo version until 1969, so we'll stick with the original. The song kicks off with a drum fill by Ringo, and then the guitars and bass come in with a short intro. There are a few things that we're going to focus on in this song. Two of the main things are the bass and the drums. Ringo has often cited this as his best drum performance on record. I really love it too. His drumming really drives the whole song forward. And as far as the bass guitar, this is probably my all-time favorite McCartney bass recording. His bass part provides the strongest melody in the song, and it's constantly evolving with new parts added as the song goes on. The bass riff that he plays in the intro is an iconic McCartney part, and it's been mimicked and referenced by dozens of other bands when they want to create a Beatles-like sound or atmosphere. We'll talk more about the bass and the drums as we go through the song, but now let's listen to the first verse. A couple of things to note here. That verse is nine measures long, which is unusual because most song structure uses things in groups of four or eight. Though Lennon doesn't get a lot of credit for it, he liked to mess around with odd measures and beats. And for what it's worth, the number nine was his favorite number. Now, we've already discussed how the instrumental tracks were recorded faster and then the tape was slowed down to achieve the desired effect. But on the vocals, they did the opposite. When they recorded the vocals, they slowed the tape down first, so the vocal was recorded at a slower speed. That means that when the tape was played back at normal speed, his voice was at a slightly higher pitch. It's a subtle thing. It's not sped up enough to give you that chipmunk effect. But this is a great piece of audio trickery that can give the perception of the vocals having a little more energy to them. Let's listen to a little bit of the vocal track. If the rain comes, they run and hide their head. They're using the automatic double tracking effect, or ADT, on his vocals. Backing vocals are added here. Let's go back and listen to that last bit because something interesting happens there. 
Whether intentional or by accident, Ringo's drum fill inserts a measure of 6-4 time, basically adding two beats to the measure. Here's the instrumental track. This time, we'll count it. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. I think that part just adds to the disorienting sense of psychedelia. Now, we've reached the chorus. Let's listen to those vocals. Rain, I, don't mind. I love the way he sings, I don't mind. He almost slurs the vocal there. I don't mind. Let's play the chorus again and listen to the way McCartney is hammering on to a high G on the bass, just one note through the break, which makes the shift back to his main riff sound even more dramatic. the third verse and it's a little hard to hear but there's a tambourine that's jangling throughout this verse I can show you Here comes the second chorus, and notice how McCartney has changed his part. Listen to how his descending triplets play off the groove. I love this. That's a great bass lick there. Let's go back and listen. Notice how tight that bass lick fits with Ringo's drum fill. That's because by this point, one of the ways they would record in the studio would be to record the basic tracks without the bass. Then McCartney would overdub the bass later after the drums were laid down. That meant that McCartney could work out his bass parts to perfectly meld with Ringo's drums. We'll play through the third verse now and listen to McCartney's bass throughout. He's playing some great stuff all through this whole verse. At this stage, McCartney had moved away from his iconic Hofner bass and started playing a Rickenbacker 4001S bass. That bass contributes to the sound of both Paperback Writer and Rain. 
check it out. Now the song is going to pause for a break, and this is a perfect example of how, by overdubbing the bass, McCartney was able to lock in with Ringo's drums. Can you hear me? In this final section, you can hear George Harrison playing some arpeggiated chords that start with deep, low notes, providing some nice texture. And at the end of the song, we hear some backwards vocals by John Lennon. Now, there's some dispute over who actually came up with the idea for the backwards vocals. John claimed that he came home from the studio that night with a rough mix of the song on tape, got stoned and mistakenly put the tape on backwards. When he went to listen to it, he loved the sound of the backwards recording. However, producer George Martin said that he came up with the idea, and George Martin was certainly known to experiment with studio techniques. So, who really knows? Now let's flip that around and play it backwards so we can hear the vocals forwards. So now you can hear it's just an excerpt of the vocals from earlier in the song, played backwards and layered in over the top. Let's go back and listen to the finished version. the Beatles. One of my all-time favorite Beatles songs. Great songwriting, a fantastic vocal from John. Ringo turns in his best drum performance, and Paul shows why he's one of the greatest bass players of all time. But to the Beatles, this was just another B-side. Amazing. Thanks again for listening. I used a bunch of resources preparing for this episode, so I want to acknowledge a few books. The Complete Beatles Recording Sessions by Mark Lewison. The Beatles Recording Reference Manual, Volume 2 by Jerry Hammack. And that great book by Robert Rodriguez, Revolver, How the Beatles Reimagined Rock and Roll. If you're a Beatles fan, check that out. 
That's it for this episode. If you like this show, the best thing you can do for this podcast or any podcast is to write a review. The more five-star reviews a podcast receives, the more exposure it gets and the more people can find the show. So I really appreciate any time you write a review or you share it with your friends. The I'm in love with that song podcast will be back soon. Until then, listen once again to Rain by the Beatles. Uh-huh.